Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I speak to Eric Melvin of NoFX and it's a great chat. And uh, I mean, this, you know, there's a lot of punk in this chat and, uh, and yeah, and then there's some curveballs as well that perhaps you wouldn't have expected, but um, what shines through is just what absolute good soul Eric is and, uh, and, I, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Um, before we get on with the, the, the chat, just a few thank yous. Thank you to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Thank you to 76 for producing this podcast. And if this is your first time listening to Off The Beaten Track, um, when you finish listening to my chat with Eric, then go and have a look in the archives because um, you can get to hear me chat to Foo Fighters, um, Fatboy Slim, um, Tommy Lee and Motley Crue, um, gosh, Melanie C from the Spice Girls, Chuck D from Public Enemy. Go, go and have a look. There's... there's there's 250 plus episodes now, and there's some wonderful chats with some some really interesting creative people. And uh, and and if you'd like to support this podcast, it's obviously uh, this is a free podcast, but you can support it and and not you know by supporting it, you will also get extra content. Um, and you do that at Patreon, um, www.patreon, p-a-t-r-e-o-n, patreon.com forward slash off the beat and track. And if you go over there, you get access to another couple of hundred back catalogue episodes of radio shows and interviews, loads and loads of video episodes, and I put up loads of content every week over there as well. And it's about 71 pence a week um, to, to, to access all of that. And, and yeah, and by doing so, you'll be helping support this podcast. Um, I think that's it. I think I'm done with uh, all the... I mean, I should just say in regards to all that stuff I've just said... Your one-stop shop for all of that is www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. That's beat and not beaten. And, uh, yeah, go and check that out. There's uh, everything you need to know is over there. I know why you're here, so let's get on with it. Please enjoy Off The Beat and Track Podcast with Everick Melvin of NoFX. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Me, stew with him. Right, we are recording. Uh, joining me today via the means of Zoom, Eric Melvin. Hello. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Is it early morning for you? Not very. No. It's 11 a.m. though. All oh, right. Where, where are you? 
I'm at my home in San Diego. Well, not in San Diego, but right around San Diego. Let me just, well, let me just see. Sorry, my wife's also kind of kicking in here. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm just north of San Diego in an area called Encinitas. It's beautiful, not too far from the beach, you know, 10-minute drive from the southern, sunny, warm Southern California beaches. Oh, nice, man. And I'm here in this place. My wife and I just moved recently, um, setting up a little studio space for me here. It's it's right in the hallway of the home. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, um, yeah, just before we, we start talking records, Eric, um, just to you know, get that the obvious question out of the way. Have you found the last 10, 11 months as, as both Eric, the human being and, and as a creative as well? Oh my gosh. Ah, what a shock, right? I mean, it's been a huge shock. Didn't expect it. Of course, nobody did, including me. And, uh, you know, it was, it came at the worst possible time just for me and my own personal cycle of life, which is, we, you know, I, I, we as a band typically don't do a whole lot for the winter months, you know, Northern Hemisphere winter, um, except maybe go to Australia, um, but we didn't. Uh, and we were just getting ready to kick everything off for like May and June of the year. And things started shutting down and we were just like scrambling, like, is this really going to happen? Is what we think happening, happening? And it happened. It all really happened, didn't it? Uh, everything just got shut down, and basically, you know, two thirds or more of my income just got shut off like a yeah. light, like a light switch, just bam. And I had to scramble, and I had to get depressed, and I had to like you know look on the bright side, and I had to do all those things. Um, it was really hard. And here I am now, you know, it's been a year, right? I mean, nearly a whole year. Um, and I'm just, I'm finding how this has actually been very, uh, a, a very good thing for me and some healing and, and like some, um, you know, forced, like looking at me and my life, uh, kind of thing. And, uh, I mean, it's all kind of cliche, but it's like it, it really did. And and also, as cliche for me, Eric Melvin, it, it didn't come until the 10th month. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved to have had this, like, releva- revelation, you know, in, like, the second month <laughs> and, like, reap the benefits of the new reframing of my mind and my life. But it took 10 whole months to get but- that. Do you know what? I, I do think like a lot of people when when all of, you know when the world stopped turning, it, it I think a lot of people had knee jerk reactions and kind of just threw themselves into things. And I think you know I don't think you're alone. I think a lot of people probably did take a while to kind of readjust a little bit and then start to reflect and start to take stock of everything. And then you know I, I, I think probably I'm, I'm not too dissimilar from from you there. I, it's been more recently that I've started to kind of just assess things and and, and, and just, you know, we're going to talk punk a lot, I'm sure, throughout this. and But just the, you know, the simplicity of, you know, the fact that everything stopped. You know, I, I run a live venue, that's been shut for, for you know, as long as you've not been gigging. And, like, and that sucks. And it's like... 
What's the venue? Uh, it's, called the, it's called the Pink Toothbrush. It's the longest running alternative venue in the UK. And, right. uh, and, and yeah, I've, I've been there like 28 years and it's like, uh, you know, it, that's just shut. It's just, it's just not happening. And, and, you know, God knows when that's going to reopen. And, but what I really like that comes out of this is when you can't sit in studios with people, you can't necessarily, you know, go into recording studios and, but I think that punk ethos then kicks in of like, right, let's get fucking DIY. What can we do? What have we got at our hands here? What, and then what can we do with that? And I love that. You know, it's the fact I've never done a podcast on, on Zoom. I didn't even know what Zoom was. And, you know, normally I'd be trying to get a studio in London and trying to get someone to find time to come in. And it's like, this is really easy now. It's like I can reach out and I'm chatting to Eric from No Effects like on the other side of the world. And just it's really, really, you know, so I do think that 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 kind of punk ethos of like and DIY kicked in with me. And it's like, right, fuck, everything I've got's kind of stopped what can I do with what's left? And, you know, and, and seeing musicians doing, you know, recording remotely and, and doing live gigs on things like that, it's, it's interesting, man. It's not the same, of course. Yeah, right, right, right. But I love that too. Just we, we want to kind of keep doing this thing, bringing us, bring punk, punk people together, punk rockers together. We just had to find a new way to do it. Yeah little strange but the the zoom i mean even my band no effects you know we we uh typically would talk you know once in a while or just shoot a text here and there but we do all our connecting you know when we'd be on the road which is which was always a thing every year and it was always several weeks and weeks with breaks so it amounted to a lot of time but we just started in November-ish, December, of having a weekly Zoom meeting, you know, like a band meeting, like, all right, what do we want to talk about? And usually we talk about something that has nothing to do with no effects yeah. you know, or business and uh, and then get to it at the end, you know, um, and go like, well, did we talk about stuff? Like, I don't think so, but we talked about other stuff and and, but, and that's great. Yeah, that's huge for us, you know. And it's about connecting, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're 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 like a family. The guys in the band, we're like brothers. We grew up together, you know. And just sometimes there's there's nobody who, who understands who can understand or come close to understanding where I am, what I feel. But those uh, those three guys, yeah. Oh, um, it's it's incredible. I feel so lucky sometimes, you know, or all the time, <laughs> all the time. All right, Eric. Let's 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 talk records. Um, sure. For track one, my friend, I'm going to ask you the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro. Yeah. Well, you know, I started going over. Um, you know, like I've, I'm a guitar player, so I go over like you know all these great, you know, classic rock guitar intros, like freaking Black Sabbath. It's like ah. Oh, uh, war pigs how can you like you know argue with that but i'm like you know what f that i'm i'm a punk rocker man i gotta like rep my my people and give back to the, those that gave to me and it's the adolescence nice. you know yeah and it's just like let you know let's let's make sure that we keep this in that context you know nice so it was yeah kids of the black hole by the adolescence uh just like incredible melody um melodies 
uh, different instruments in the same band playing different things combining to make like these movements of chords it's like wow wow you know of course everybody loves the na 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 yeah. you know rock but then the adolescents did that and like did this thing like ah, i want to do that so that's a huge influence on no effects you know we like we want to do that we want to you know make th that same thing happen in our own way how old would you have been when you first heard that i'm gonna say my teens yeah but i can't i'm not sure 14 15 possibly well the, the first few tracks i'm going to ask you about are going to be about you know the formative years and stuff like that but just mm -hmm. what was you know if you had to sort of shut your eyes and you know think back to like what you know what was the first tune or what was the first record i heard or what was the first feeling i had that kind of introduced me to to punk what would that have been yeah that's an easy one i haven't forgotten it uh group sex by the circle jerks nice right great la band to me that personified everything about punk rock that i loved it's like all these quirky time signatures strange chords you know yet it had the structure like of pop music so like it came back around to like a chorus sometimes um you know had verses and like you know it was guitar intros uh but i remember i was with i had a very good friend in middle and uh, junior high david lusgarden and we were like so close and we did everything together and we played dungeons and dragons together okay and uh we were such nerds and we loved all that <laughs> different role-playing games and yeah I did it. It was me. But, you know, then it was like on pieces of paper written down and all the, there was hardly even, in, we didn't even use like the figures really. Um, so, uh, um, at school, didn't see him for the summer. Um, I think we had already, we had started kind of like into the world of like the police and Blondie and we were kind of like getting this edgy, you know, Joe Jackson had like this edgy new wave, but it was, was it punk? Was it new wave? Cause it certainly wasn't anything else. And, uh, when's this like 80, 81, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Gosh. Um, okay. So for the summer I went and worked at a job, uh, at the Jewish community center swimming pool. Uh, some people who've read our book, The Hepatitis Bathtub, you know, know this story a little bit. So I was working at a, as a lifeguard or a junior lifeguard. Um, parents put me in a summer camp um, where I just went every day, you know, day camp. Anyway, so that was the summer of maybe 1980, 80 or 81. And then I came to the first day back at school, found David Lusgarden again, you know, and he was like, you would not believe what I did this summer. And I was like, really? I worked. <laughs> he was like, really? I went to a place called Godzilla's. And I was like, what is that? He's like, he's like, I don't even know how to tell you, you know, like, and you know, and he named all these people that we were friends with, you know, last year at school. He's like, and I was there and I was there and this person was there. And I was like, you guys were doing all that. What did you do? And he's like, well, let me play you this record. And it was, I think it was a cassette tape at the time. And, and I sat down in his room and I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And he's like, yeah, this is punk rock music. And I was like, whoa. He's like, and he said like, I'm a punk rocker. And I'm like, oh, 
whoa. And he goes, what if you became a punk rocker too? And I was like, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, yes, you know. And, um, you know, it was like nothing I'd ever heard before. And yet it, it was, and it was, it sounded so like such a statement, yet it was not like, an unattainable, like you have to be here before you can make this statement. You know, it was like, it sounded like rough and raw and it was like, uh, you know, not, there was no singing melodies and off pitch or anything. It was like, um, you know, growling and more about intention and attitude than, uh, and I was like, yeah, I want to do this too. I, I want to, you know, and, um, like at the time, he it, it sounded like an unbelievable or impossibility. Like I don't know, can I be a punk rocker too? Like what do you mean? I don't know. What do I, you know? Do I sign something? I <laughs> love the fact that this like is there a criteria to this? You know, what do I, where, where do I sign? <laughs> right, because I'm ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thinks <laughs> I've got it. Yeah, I'm in. Um, I think you know whatever. Uh, so he uh, right, and we're like still sort of asking that question. You yeah. Know, to, to this day, you know, I would have to be punk rock or, you know, am I punk rock or whatever. And we ask ourselves in the scene, are we punk rock? Is this punk rock? Like so funny how obsessed with defining things we are, you know. Well, I'm going to ask like- you to de- define an emotion for track two, <laughs> Eric. And I want to know the first song you remember hearing that had that emotional impact on you. Yeah, that was a funny one because I was like, oh, you know. I want to stick with punk rock music, but I didn't, did I? Because I, I remember that, and this is still stuck with me, you know, the beauty of, of Freddie Mercury and Queen. And uh, and the, accompanied by this incredible voice. And uh, um, and, I, and it took me right back to sitting, you know, and I, I don't know, maybe I was 10. I mean, I don't know if any of these no- dates will add up, but... You know, I was in my parents' house and I was still little and they had this stereo there and with headphones and, you know, and I put it on, put the record on and put the headphones on and sat, you know, cross-legged listening. And I think I had the record cover, you know, and I'm reading, maybe the lyrics were there. Maybe I'm just looking at the pictures and uh, the beauty of, of his voice and the idea of, of this person, you know, sweeping up the bar, you know, thinking of spreading their wings. And I guess actually, as I'm saying it, I'm thinking that was me. Yeah. You know, I was like, wow, I, I, I'm ready. I'm ready for more, you know, and this is before the punk rock days, you know, which then took me to the next, I want more. Um, and saying, gosh, I, I, um, it's really meaningful to me. You know, where, where was home then? Where was you? Yeah, that was L.A. LA. So L- I was really lucky in a lot of ways. My parents moved from Ohio out to L.A. Um, when my dad was going to college to be an engineer. And my mom, um, you know, they were together and they were going to get married. So she moved out as well. And she wanted to pursue um, art um, and art education. And there's great art schools in L.A. So they had moved to L.A. and they moved to this amazing area right at the near the corner of melrose avenue and la brea and that's like 
uh, just, you know, I called it for a long time South Hollywood. Nobody really referred to Hollywood as having a South Hollywood, but it was like only a few blocks or a few bus stops from Hollywood Boulevard, right? So for a quarter, when you could ride the bus for a quarter, you know, you put in a quarter and you get off a few stops later and you're on Hollywood Boulevard. And, um, and uh, I went to Melrose Avenue Elementary and uh, right along Melrose Avenue was where the first, I think, you know, on the West Coast, the first thrift stores started and, it, and, and the punk rock record stores are right there on Melrose Avenue. Uh, second time around was one of the record stores in L.A. at the time and you could buy used records, but you also could buy, you know, Crass 7 Inches and um, I think Rudimentary P&I was there too. I mean, the 7 Inches were there. Maybe that came a little after second time around was closed. But it was a great hotspot. I, I don't think my parents thought of that when they moved there. They weren't like, this will be great culture for our kids. Maybe yeah. they did. I never really got to ask, you know. A lot of questions I like to ask my mom now. But she's gone. She passed away. So Sorry, just threw that out there. No, no, of course, man. Like, um, but yeah. just, you mentioned that you went to um, school there. Uh, and so yeah. for, for track three, uh, Eric. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm going to ask you, does someone remind you of your time at school? Right. What was that? Oh, yeah. Well, we're back to the circle jerks, yeah, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, Melrose Avenue was my elementary school. Or I don't know. You call it primary, maybe? Um so then I went to junior high, then I went to, and it was that album, Group Sex by the Circle Jerks. And um, just such a like time for me in my life, going to high school, uh, starting high school, I was like, you know, a late bloomer in terms of like, you know, my, I, I still looked like, so I was maybe 15 and I looked like I was still 12. You know, I was like little and skinny and like, you know, and, um, but so were some of my friends, you know, 
there are plenty of kids that already are having mustaches and whatnot. And uh, I was kind of like, you know, trying to find out how did I fit in with this, with this, with the world around me. And, you know, I, I, I found, once I found Circle Jerks and Group Sex and um, the punk rock life of like being in a band, if you liked a band, being in the punk rock scene also sort of meant you had to have a band. You had to yeah. be in a band. You know, it was like part of the scene. And whatever it is, even if you sucked or you were like some weird like jazz-influenced punk rock noise, it was like that's that was your thing. You did it, and everybody did it. So I, I found my guitar that I'd had for a few years that I didn't touch and started learning my power chords. And uh, also I had this... My parents were really good with uh, kind of letting me do whatever the F I wanted. I don't know if we're allowed to swear on yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Swear away, man. So tame to go F. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, man. Swe- swear away. Yeah, thanks. Well, fucking thanks. <laughs> so, uh, you know, my parents kind of let me do whatever I wanted to do. And that also got me into a little bit of trouble that I wish I hadn't. But I, um, uh, I found like a screen t-shirt silk screening kit you can buy at the art store for like 10 bucks and i found my favorite artwork at the time which was a subhumans uh piece of art and i put that onto a silk screen and i printed t-shirts found t-shirts that you can buy for a dollar and like wore them and sold a few to like my classmates and thought it was great and um again it was like part of the diy of punk yeah, rock that's so cool yeah and uh, so I can even see myself back on Melrose Avenue. So my school, my high school was Fairfax Avenue and it was right on Melrose Avenue at Fairfax. And so when you'd leave school, you'd be across the street on Melrose Avenue before you went home and everybody kind of like hang out like on that piece of that wall. <laughs> yeah. Those people. And so, you know, standing there, hanging out there, I think I had a backpack on and like my rock patch maybe you know in my shirt and and i can see eric melvin like sort of trying to find little eric melvin trying to find his way where he fits and everything i did kind of came just from me you know from me and who i was it's so exciting them times when you 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 start to sort of find your tribe and like and you know find like-minded people it's like that, that that get you and get what you're into as well. It's just so, so important years that are really, really can kind of shape you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's a very human thing. I mean, we're social creatures, aren't we? Yeah. And, uh, we, we seek out, you know, some comfort of being in our, in a group in a, yeah. Did, did, did you know what you wanted to be when you was at school? No. No clue. There, uh, there were things that interested me, and the two things were uh, like some kind of art and design, but more like I, I wasn't really like a free painter, drawer, sketcher. I was like designing with like straight edges and shapes and mm. stuff. So there was maybe architecture, you know, was maybe something that really felt good to me, and uh, psychology. Nice. Very strange. I liked the. the the theories and philosophies of how the human mind works and 
human beings think and and so much there and i thought for a minute i wanted to be a psychologist therapist um i also liked the architecture design um and there was another thing well i was also a boy scout in all this time and i still was a boy scout as i became a punk rocker and shaved my head still a boy scout you know going camping and backpacking trips and i thought maybe i would be a like a forest ranger where i would you know live in the woods and take care of the forest <laughs> which kind of fit with my dungeons and dragons <laughs> a ranger <laughs> out in the wild living with the birds <laughs> so was you was you was you kind of messing with guitars at this point as well yeah 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 Laura came in. My mom played guitar when I was growing up, but she wasn't especially good. She was like actively taking lessons and learning to play songs and she'd sit and, you know, practice, but it also sounded like she was, she was sitting there playing for us. Yeah. And and what about, and what about records, Eric? Was like, did, did your folks have records on at home when you was growing up? Well, yeah, that's where I heard the, heard Queen. I right, was Queen. It was really, you know, there was, yeah, they had records, record player. Uh, I remember what year it was, maybe a 72 or something was the big L.A. earthquake, one of the first earthquakes, well, the first earthquake I lived through. And I remember looking at the record player and seeing that the needle had, you know, bounced off of the, you know, arm. Yeah. Sitting on a, on the, you know, the turntable or something and like going, whoa. So I was very comfortable putting records in all the time. And my parents were probably pretty stoked that I'd found that. I mean, I think about now being a parent, you know, and you like just love it when you're, when your kid like finds something that's meaningful and they're into and, and, uh, and that great stuff. So yeah, there were a lot of records. It was, you know, James Taylor and, um, uh, Carol King. So folksy Bob Dylan a little bit. I didn't really like him so much when I was young. Um, uh, and and then I don't know why they had freaking Queen, you know, this Queen album, News of, uh, News of the World, I think it was. Yeah. or Yeah, I think that was the one. And there was also uh, A Night at the Opera. Like, why did they have those? You know, that doesn't seem like my parents at all. But, yeah. you know, Freddie Mercury, beautiful voice to everything. It wasn't all just like rock. You know, there was incredible piano and stuff so guitar uh but i couldn't play any any of that stuff you know what i mean yeah i remember struggling with uh crimson and clover joan jett's version or was there was that the only version um you know trying to play that and just like oh man i don't get this at all i, I mean i had no, no lessons no training no music i didn't even really try to like from what my mom was doing at all it was very what i was doing felt so felt so different but there i was crimson clover trying to play it for the fourth track i'm going to ask yeah. you the first song you remember buying from a record store well you know it's funny because i didn't want i didn't want to count this other stuff because there was a time where you could get records um for like a penny from like uh you know one of those and then you had to order so many records yeah 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 yeah. and i just failed at that so i ended up with like boston and um you know uh jeff leopard or something 
but I don't want to count that because that's that was like more like just something I felt like I should be doing. It was, but um, I bought that crass uh, feeding of the five thousand, and I remember just how incredible that was to me. Just like whoa, listen to that sound, like what's he saying? And like, and I listened to it like nonstop, and I looked at the artwork and the. Uh, yeah, listening to that over and over, and I knew every single word. I mean, I think I probably still do, but I'm not going to. That's, I mean, that's a fucking crazy intense record for your first record, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, what I bought, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. like that was kind of like the the deciding parameter of the question was that I actually, you know, showed intention. It was like I wanted to to buy this you know i wanted this i wanted to add this to my life just the thought that people are sitting there thinking that def leppard make this really angry music and then you go and hear fucking crass <laughs> it's like yeah no, right? this one's really angry yeah right and they don't say anything like you know uh you know you know what i mean babe or <laughs> whatever like your classic <laughs> no Talk lyric like you would not hear the ignorance saying, you know what I mean. <laughs> I mean, I guess he did say there was maybe a, you know what I mean. Or I do remember that kind of is coming into the lyric, but um, maybe. But he didn't. He didn't necessarily leave anything to be like uh, to the Im- imagination. I mean, well, okay, he did too, but he was telling you what it is, you know, he was telling you what he's thinking. You're like, well, well, this is very like focused. And did we should buy into what, what, you know, what Steve ignorant was saying, we should buy into the, 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 the mindset, the politics. Well, trying as I could, you know, yeah. I, I'm like, well, who are these people he's talking about? You yeah. know, you know, um, but stuff like, you know, do they owe us a living and, and, uh, you know, and, and so what, and how he doesn't fit in, and like a lot of like you know the things he was taught as a kid, religion and whatnot, and you know, fuck that, and you know, and I didn't really have that in my life. You know, I wasn't brought up anything strict at all as far as religion, um, so I didn't have that to rebel against. It's funny because like I, I I guess now that I'm saying it, I guess I really loved the whole rebellion of it. But I'm not sure that I had that much to rebel against, you know, because yeah. like I wasn't brought up strictly religious anything. And, um, you know, I don't know. My, I didn't have like, I don't know, didn't have like, didn't feel like there was war like with Northern Ireland or whatever, just just right a few hours away or whatever it was. I'm, um, so uh here I am in, you know, I was in sunny LA <laughs> sitting on my parents' bedroom floor or whatever, or in my room going like, yeah. Yeah. So what? Yeah. Oh, but sure. you know, it's, if you love something, you know, like crass, it's like, I don't think you have to be, you know, working class from the UK, you know, it transcends. Do you know what I mean? I like the beach boys, but like, it's snowing outside my ass right now. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I couldn't be further from California, <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, you, you like what you like. And, and I think, you know, you, you also draw from it what you want as well. You can read into the lyrics, but I'm pretty sure like, you know, what people draw from them songs is not necessarily exactly what Penny or, or Steve was, was about. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
Right. So, yeah, yeah, the intensity, the the focus, yeah. all like undeniable. Like, wow, this is this is cool. You know, this is amazing. I need this in my life. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods, for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life's better with American Family Insurance. Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Okay, so I'm going to ask you for track five, the song that soundtrack your years clubbing. So this isn't neon nightclubs dancing to, to techno. This can also be, you know, sweaty punk clubs, rock and roll clubs, dive bars. It can be whatever you want it to be. Well, I, I went, I went in my mind, I went back to the L.A. rave scene that I, uh, you know, visited and experimented with at the time. It was, I, I had some good friends one of them was a Scottish guy and another was a British guy. And we both, we all worked at this clothing store called Fred Siegel, which was a very high-end uh, clothing store. And like uh, Steven Tyler from Aerosmith shop there. I mean, Michael Jackson went in there. Wow. Like, all the big stars would shop there. They, they carried, um, you know, jeans from Italy that you couldn't get anywhere else or whatever. And, and those, those people wanted that stuff. I, I didn't get it, but also that was where the first like skinny jeans and stuff that I ever saw. And my first pair of skinny jeans I bought and they were like fucking 200 bucks or something, you know, it's like, oh, ah, okay, well I'm going to have to live in these for five years. <laughs> <laughs> you still wearing them now, right? <laughs> Every penny out of them. Um, so this record store, so these guys, they were from an, another world, but, you know, we all worked at the same place. And, oh, my gosh, I forgot his name. Ian, of course, Ian. Uh, Ian was a Scottish guy, and Steve was a British guy. And uh, I don't know. I think Ian was like, somehow we just came over, and he was like, we're going to go to a rave. Here's what we do. And it was at the time where they were totally illegal. I don't know if they ever became legal, but you would drive to a place, to a corner, and there you would pay somebody, and and that's where you got your ticket or whatever, but that's where you actually got to know where it was. So you didn't know where it was until you went and paid somebody. 
And I think that's where you also found the guy who's selling the ecstasy or whatever. And, you know, and then went to the rave and just stayed up all night and somehow got home. And um, I remember the, the, it was super late or almost morning and sitting and it's still like whatever, there was four of us, five of us, you know, me and my girlfriend at the time, we all had our girlfriends. So there was a couple couples and we're kind of coming down from everything and it was music like the Cocktail Twins and My Bloody Valentine. And it's just this sweet, melodic and like dreamy uh, chill out music, I guess people call it now. But that's what we listened to after everything. And that like kind of like sort of deflation of it all. So it was that was pretty unique in my life. You know, I didn't have that anywhere else. And um I mean, for all the punk rock clubs I went, it was all the punk rock music at the time. But this is something that stood out for me, still stands out for me. And there was another one I couldn't remember. I still can't remember. There was another one, and I and I went and searched through, like, my uh, music files and iTunes and everything. Like, gosh, who was it? It was not like, what do you call them, like, Sugar, Sugar Rose from yeah. Ice. And it was like, again, all that dreamy, singing, you know, it was way before his head, Mazzy Star, as far as I know, but it was like along those lines. But anyway, was, still don't know what British. I think it was British. I think so. It, it would British. have been around the kind of sort of shoegaze thing of like My Bloody Valentine, that kind of thing. Yeah, and may, maybe a little, just maybe precursor to what trip hop. Yeah, maybe like uh, maybe I couldn't find it. You know. Um, uh, I, I seem to remember this, a female singer. Not Massive Attack. Right. No, I don't think so. But I mean, because I, I still listen to Massive Attack yeah. today, to this day. You know, like whenever I, the mood strikes me, love Massive Attack. I mean, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I mean, Cocktail Twins. Oh, man. I mean, that's that's different What's level. The, yeah, yeah. I know. A whole different genre, a whole different lifestyle. Even. When... But it, when I got your song list over and, and I, I, I put together a little Spotify playlist to accompany the, the, the podcast and, uh, and I just ended up just going down a hole listening to the Cocteau Twins. It was like, oh, so good. I've listened for ages. It was wonderful. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, nice. I, I, I ended up doing that too. As I was filling it out, I was like, you know, I mean, I, I'm a little embarrassed that I'm like, I got my Alexa, you know, over there and I'm all, Alexa play you know heaven or las vegas by the cocteau twins yeah and, and alexa goes heaven or las vegas by the cocteau twins. <laughs> talking right now there we go <laughs> it's on down in the kitchen brilliant um, yeah <laughs> well but i was i was so like what a strange mindset that put me in thinking like yeah. hey here i am back in that time where like no kids barely even a a band, you know, and certainly no, none of the world experience of traveling, but I could this day, to this day, the modern convenience of asking Alexa to play it. <laughs> I was like, yes, yes. You know, Brilliant. I want kids moving on into the future to be able to just say, give me something that I, that's not like anything else. And that is a freaking cocktail twins, you know, Okay. okay, 
Track six. I'm gonna I'm gonna take you home. Uh, a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. That I went back to punk rock again, and I said to myself, "Gosh, what what else was hugely influential on me and just blew my mind?" And that was the band Arcale, Rich Kids on LSD uh, from Santa Barbara, and oh man, they like took punk rock like how the adolescents took melodic punk i guess um for me and uh, took it to a whole new level uh arkel took punk rock which took southern california punk rock to a whole new place for me and i was like holy cow this is fucking awesome i mean the musicianship it was still i mean it was i don't know miles above what i could accomplish at the time you know some of it still is but um um, they were doing things that like, I don't, I didn't think was possible, you know, a lot of musicianship, a lot of just rocking, you know, somehow they made like punk rock be able to fucking rock, you know? Um, and I still listen to it to this day as well. And I'm surprised at just how sort of bad it is, but the brilliance was already there. It was like the execution sort of. And, and again, at the time they were miles above what I could do. But now I know, you know, like, okay, you could have uh, maybe tried playing it all to a click track. And some of those incredible rhythms would have stood out even more. You know, like uh, looking back, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. But uh, they did amazing things and gave me a whole new, like, booster into the atmosphere of, of punk rock. Before we, we get on to the last question i just want to go back um when we were talking uh, about going and buying the crass record um hmm. i just want to ask you how important record stores were for you growing up and and as much as you've you've, you've just shouted out alexa there um i just wonder like you know what vinyl and, and, and record stores mean to you now yeah you know i'm i'm kind of a creature of convenience so like uh i didn't i didn't at all like do the Napster thing or any of those music streaming pirating. I didn't do that at all. And I know a lot of people did and I understand it. Cause like, you know, CDs were freaking like 18 and $20 for like a 50 cent piece of plastic. It's such a fucking rip off. The, I mean, Mike wrote the song about it, you know, dinosaurs will die. They literally like brought about their own demise, but for all of us, you know what I mean? Um, but, uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't have a lot of money growing up. I mean, I I had, I was okay, you know, it was fine, but I didn't have money to buy records. I had friends who had huge record collections, you know, in high school and stuff, and I just didn't. I didn't, but I'd go over to their houses and listen to their records. <laughs> so, you know, I had it by like... Um, it was, though, a, a sort of a place that was part of, it was like a hub of the punk rock scene, of yeah. course. presented that, like a as part of the social life of being a punk rocker. Um, but again, I didn't really have money for it. Um, and I think I would get cassettes from friends, go over to their house and record some of their records and stuff. I did it more like that. So I didn't really. And then um, to this day, you know, so then skip through the music pirating and stuff. I didn't, participating in that once once no fix started making decent money i was buying cds like crazy i mean yeah. it was like 
CDs were then getting were were pretty popular. It was hard to find everything on CD. Couldn't find it, any of the old punk rock stuff. But I was getting into all this newer music, like yeah, like Massive Attack and like everything I could buy on a CD. So I, I still have and sitting in the attic too many boxes of CDs, you know. Because yeah. then you get to um, you know, I started like archiving them into my laptop and having like a music library and on a hard drive and making sure I had all my music and anything I could listen to. Um, and then, um, you know, all the epitaph stuff and everything came out on CD pretty quickly. Um, Fat records as well. So it was plenty of punk available on CD. Uh, but then at some point, I don't know when Apple music streaming, you know, started happening and I just, I bought a subscription or whatever. And I still have a subscription, you know, and I can listen to whatever I want, whenever I want, search it and find it, know what it is and know about it. So, you know, again, creature convenience a little bit. That's me. Um, but I'm paying for my music still. You know, <laughs> I mean, I am, I'm paying my, my subscription, whether or not that money's getting the artist. I, I believe it is. I believe it is. I believe that Apple's at least paying something. Yeah. Well, for your last track, I'm <laughs> going to ask you um, to tell me a song that many may not know that you want them to hear. Right. Well, I've been working pretty hard for about a year now on on my own solo project, and for want of a better name, it's become called the Melvinator, and that's me and my my solo project. And uh, it comes from my love of punk rock, you know, but it's not just another punk rock band because I also happen to really love electronic music, quite a lot of it. And this goes back to the rave days. I, I like a beat and I like the, the driving beat of that kick of, you know, techno and stuff. But there was always something kind of missing there too, you know, it's just after a while it was like, oh, you know, and like, all these genres of techno were like, or EDM or whatever, um, became a little too much this or a little too much that. And um, I've been working with drum, drum machines and synths to make like punk rock music, but yet stay in within a, you know, a, a beat, you know, it's beat oriented, it's rhythm oriented and my voice. So the Mel yell, the no effects stuff I do, the screaming, and I'm really enjoying it, but I'm really struggling with where it is. Cause once you go into the EDM world, like, I mean, I've done tracks. Okay. I've been working with Baz, that French kid who is incredible music genius who did the decline orchestra with no effects and has been, he produced our last record. Um, he loves electronic music. So he and I were like, yeah, yeah, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do this. And we must have wrote like, I don't know, 30 songs together. Um, and you can really get into this, you know, we have like this kind of like almost drum and bass stuff. We have something that's a little more drivey. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't call it. I'm learning some of the genres. Hard dance. Yeah. Um, uh, dark drum and bass. And um, uh, I, uh, I don't know what to call this, what, we're, what we've done. So anyway, what, what we started to focus on... <laughs> 
sudden my iTunes started playing Skulls by the Misfits. <laughs> I thought that was going to be your new record then. I thought, that's a really good plug. Just just drop it straight in. So here it is. Oh, There's always time for some Misfits, though. That's good. Never not a good time for Misfits. Uh, so anyway, there... Uh... Oh, what, what we decided to focus on was I, I had also done a bunch of kind of like no effects covers with electronic music, with like synths and me and me singing. And uh, Mike and I met with Danny Lohner from Nine Inch Nails. And uh, he's got a studio at his house in L.A. You know, he's got a Pro Tools set up in a room. <laughs> That's a studio in L.A. And uh, and we we did uh, Suits and Ladders by No Effects. Um, and it turned out really cool, and we're like, whoa, now what more can we do? And so working with Baz, uh, we did a bunch more no-effects stuff. And sort of like the plan of action right now, or had become, let's do some of these no-effects covers, let the fans hear sort of what my love is, but don't give them, don't expect too much of them, you know, with like a whole new original. Let's see how, how they do with the no-effects covers. Kids are home. Um, so, uh, you know, let's, let's make sure that, uh, let's start with that. Let's like make that. So I've got seven songs now that I've just, you know, kind of cut away the fat and like made a good, uh, and we're, I'm just looking for a label to release it right now. And fat will do it. Fat records will do it. But we also talked about who, who would be better for it. And, uh, uh I'm going to talk, I'm about to talk to some labels in, uh, Europe, uh, label in France, and I'm waiting for a friend to find a, somebody to talk to for a label in Germany and put it out there and kind of do it just different. You know what I mean? Do it than what no effects would do. Okay. Well, as we find ourselves... <laughs> I, I just gave you right there. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I was going to say, is, is there anything out there that people can hear? But it, is it... Not yet, but it's gonna it's gonna come soon. Um, it's gonna come soon. Also, part of the whole plan, obviously, would be originals, and I've been writing and uh, and and trying to just put it together in just the right way. And there's a lot of uh, sort of like, okay, do I want it to be like this? Or do I want it to be like that? Because there's so many options when you're starting from scratch. That's really what I'm doing. Um, but. Uh, it's exciting, you know. I mean, the lyrical content is more like me and my positivity because I have, the, you know, the, the the straight edge movement was like really influential on me, and it still sort of is. Even though I then also had a lot of fun not being straight edge uh, for many years, but I um, I find myself going back to that. You know, like there's a bit of mindfulness in straight edge and a bit of like sort of you know social connection rather than social separation, I suppose, yeah. some separating. Um, so I'm like, that's where my lyrical content is coming from. And I'm really enjoying it. I'm like, wow, this is me. And this is something I've been wanting to do. And why did it take me so long? You know, back to like, back to the, it's been 10 months of quarantine and I'm finally <laughs> moving forward. So yeah, I'm going to do it soon. I'm going to release it soon. You're going to hear it soon. And maybe even sooner than anybody else will, because I'd, I'd like some feedback. Oh, amazing. Uh, I'd love that. Oh, this is perfect because the kids are home and now they're making noise. So. <laughs> well, um, where's, yeah. I mean, oh, oh, just to sort of 
round things up then. Um, we'll put together a Spotify playlist that'll have uh, all your tracks on it, aside from obviously y- y- your last track, and we'll throw some some NAFX and stuff on there as well, so people can go and um, get stuck into to that playlist over on on Spotify. Um, as 2021 um, is starting to unfold, we're recording this on the the, the, the 10th of February. Um, as this year's starting to unfold and, and with a positive mindset, what are you looking forward to um, this year? Uh, from this year and what, what what's happening professionally yeah well no effects is uh we're uh, we're we're recording some more we're getting started with recording another record we're, if it all comes goes to plan we're going to release two records this year wow cool and, uh, yeah so you know this one's about to come out i think in a week or two and uh called single album because it, it's not a double album anymore but a whole new set of songs by the end of the year would be released. And uh, so working on that, uh, figuring out with me and my no effects brothers, how to play live concerts. Cause I think the streaming thing will, we'll be able to, uh, Oh, we're, we're going to try and do, do some interesting, no effects appropriate live stream shows. So uh, we haven't announced anything yet, so I'm not going to say much more. I'm working on my solo stuff, solo music, and getting it out. And uh, maybe I'll, I'll have something that I can put on this playlist. Okay, um, wonderful. So please, let's let's talk right after this about when you want it, when do you need it, and I'll, and I'll see if I can get it. Um, also, a new thing, totally starting a brand new subject at the end here, is uh, I started doing what's called life coaching. Um, and this is, uh, I, I've taken a course with the online university and I love it. It makes so much sense for me. You know, it's like, it's, it's basically talking and connecting with people yet focusing, you know, on a client, a client coach, a client coach, um, relationship where I try to sort of help them bring out from them what it is that they, where they want to progress in their lives, what's working now for them and what they'd like to see more of. And uh, I just think it's so amazing. And it's, it's connecting, which I love. And it's like helping, which I love. And uh, I can't believe it took me this long to, to find it. But, uh, you know, it's kind of like the therapy that I was talking about doing as a psychologist. But it's like a little less dealing with problems. It's more of looking at... Um, where you want to move forward in in your life so uh i just put out a post like two days ago that hey guys i'm putting myself out there for coaching so here's a booking link book yourself for a coaching one-on-one with eric melvin (laughs) that's amazing man what a cool thing to do it's it's really cool it's really you know a little little scary totally new thing for me but i'm i can't believe how much it's fitting in with me and my personality and my love of humans, you know, and wanting to connect us all and evolve us all and bring each other up. Eric, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, my friend. It's been absolutely Thanks. wonderful. Thank you so much, brother. All right, we're going to go. Okay. Yeah, my man, let's be in touch. There you go. Punk rocker and life coach. Wow. Did not see that curveball coming at the end, but the measure you get from him as you chat to him is there's just a good soul there and you know somebody that's had you know incredible success in 
you know, in 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 a field, you know, uh, you know, it, in a sector that's very difficult to achieve success and maintain success in, and, and Eric's managed that. So every bit of criteria for a positive mindset and striving, and I'm, you know, just through chatting to him there what a life coach he'll be and yeah so go and uh, go and check that out and uh, and, and yeah go and book yourself in um thanks ever so much for listening um go and check out um the spotify playlist which i have uh, all of eric's choices on uh, obviously some no effects as well and yeah go and check out the patreon if you want more more content and if you wish to support the podcast or just go over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, wherever you get your podcasts from, Podbean, Buzzsprout, wherever, and uh, and go and have a look in the archives of this podcast because there's 250 episodes with all your favourite musicians, DJs, producers, actors, comedians. Go and get stuck in. Stay safe, lovely people. Um, thanks loads for being behind this podcast and help keep them growing it. And I'm having a ball. And, uh, and it's thanks to you lot. Um, I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing, www.sosclothing.co.uk. Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk official sponsors of Off The Beaten Track Podcast. It's Off The Beaten Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Ain't a monkey.